Hello and welcome to The Nature Pod, a weekly conversation and invitation to join me and my guests as we navigate pathways to nature, as prescribed in forest bathing and the practice of Shinrin-yoku. Let's awaken our senses to all that is around us as my fellow walkers in life, friends, experts in the field of health, wellness and ecotherapy share their stories of nature connection and their insights into personal development. I'm Suzanne Radford, forest therapy practitioner, communication coach and radio presenter, lover of the great outdoors, guiding people through nature to a place of calm, clarity and contentment. I have found some of the best conversations, ideas and inspiration happen when walking and spending time in nature. So let's connect and see where it takes us. It's a great pleasure to welcome my guest today. He was a regular on my food show on Dubai Eye Radio, where he became known as the Honeyman of the UAE. We ate and talked our way around ingredients and health, and we travelled to some amazing places seeking out the best in nature, raw honey, food, life and bees. He is the founder of Balkis Honey, trading and selling the purest raw honey, including queen of honeys, that is Siddha honey from Yemen, among others. Please welcome to The Nature Pod, Riyadh Hamid. Hi, Suzanne. You're right, love. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Where are you? Sheffield? I'm in Sheffield, yep. Uh, nestled in this, uh, in a pot of South Yorkshire, which is oh. uh, lovely and green and fresh air. And that's where you've been for lockdown. It is. And, uh, and to be completely honest with you, I, uh, I'm glad that I've, I decided to be here during lockdown because it's, it's, it's a lovely place. It's a lovely spot to be in and I'm near the, the countryside. And so you just get to be just kind of almost free, but obviously a few lockdown rules, but you're still allowed to go around walking and having your exercise and stuff. So which is, uh, which is really good. It's a nice place to be. So where have been some of your go-to places in nature? There's a couple actually. So, so when I go and visit my mom, there's, um, she doesn't live too far, literally on the peak, on the edge of the Peak District. And um, she lives in an area called Whirlow. And every time I visit my mum, I'll just go for, for an hour, go for a, a walk. And it's, it's beautiful. It's just a, above Whirlow Farm. It's got this beautiful kind of agricultural land. But at the same time, it, you've got these pockets of, of, of woodland and, and forests. And you walk around these beautiful little rocky little cobbled paths and... Uh, it's a good place to get out and just enjoy uh, a bit of nature. I noticed some of your photographs on the Honey Explorer Instagram. One of them was this beautiful river stream over rocks with this beautiful scenery all around this water. Is that Derwent? Yeah, that was, yeah, in Der- Derwent Valley, yeah. And I went out there uh, with my brother, uh, Nabil. I thought we'd just go for a little, little walk. It was just uh, breathtaking. When you've got water... And then the backdrop of, of uh, greenery and trees. And it's just so lovely. And it's, uh, it's just a reminder of how amazing the creator is to allow us to have these, this kind of enjoyment. To see these beautiful spots as, as signs of how amazing the universe is and how amazing the creator is for giving us this beautiful kind of backdrop of uh, landscapes and, and that just ease the heart, as we, as we say. We say it in Arabic. Uh, you know, it just eases this, the heart when you're out there. It just kind of calms it and uh, allows you to uh, just take everything in. This connection you have with, with honey, raw honey, which of course is part of nature, this thing that is produced by the bees and is just as it is coming straight from nature to, to us. So how did that connection begin for you? For me, it was uh, honey was, was all about how my mom would would 
would use it with food and that that's how the connection really started it was it was about having this beautiful dessert which remember we were talking about this it's called binta sahn the the daughter of the plate and it's just layers of butter pastry infused sometimes with a little bit of cinnamon or you can infuse it with other with other sort of spices and it's just the minute it comes out of the oven oven you just pour on this amazing honey and you just i used to watch my dad the way he would pour that cider honey from the jar and it would just be cascading all over the this hot piping hot dessert and it was just i could, literally i couldn't wait just to get my fingers in there and just stop you know kind of tearing it to pieces like a madman <laughs> and it was and it was that kind of thing that 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 element that drew me to how powerful that that taste is the smell of it um you know and because it was so strong in terms of um its effect visually mentally and and eating it as well it had an impact on me that i don't forget and it's that curiosity that drew me to start kind of thinking about um honey not just as uh, uh the, the something we'll just pour over a dessert but something really special that that is everywhere in all in in all parts of nature and 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 you think about how it's collected and how it's harvested and who are, who are the people involved and how they do they manage it and you get little triggers and that was my trigger for it and 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 I never ever intended to to work in it as a sort of as a profession to you don't wake up one morning and think oh I'm going to be a honey trader <laughs> it just kind of happened through passion curiosity and just a love of of uh, of that particular food you've traveled all over the world seeking out the the best honey and when i say the best we're talking about coming from pure natural environments so there's there's what we taste comes straight from nature and you're really passionate about getting that right so there's no infiltration there's no adulteration so you've you've been on that journey you've seen the lens that we 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 go to to meet the right kind of people to be in the right environment we want to be in in those amazing regions of the world and 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 environments because the the you get some amazing honey f- f- from there and when you go as we did to the south islands in in new zealand or whether it was um australia whether it was bali you've you've tasted those kind of varieties of honeys which are just amazing because of the different varieties of 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 nectars the the landscapes you know the 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 different trees and and you see the kind of ecology you know mm. so every every kind of taste that we've had of the different varieties of honeys have, have been representative of that kind of culture those ecologies of those of those environments and you taste in that nature that that part of nature uh, when you when you have for every teaspoon that you're having and it it is a miraculous uh, substance it's uh, it's 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 beautiful just traveling all over the world meeting amazingly passionate beekeepers and that have been in it for generations who value their 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 product as much as i value and respect you know what they've done and that's the thing that when you when you're pursuing something with passion with a cause with like-minded people and you want to give that to 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 your customers uh they appreciate it you know mm. they they appreciate it and i appreciate you know uh, the 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 lens that people that work in the industry have gone to 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 keep to keep it pure and raw 
uh, and unadulterated. And I think I learned so much on the journeys because generally we think of honey and we think of it as being something sweet and it tastes nice and that's true. It's not just about that sweetness actually. There are so many different tones and, and flavours to honeys depending where they've come from and you know what plant the bee's been foraging on that's then transferred into the flavour of the honey. We talk about nature connection but it's food connection as well. One thing we always talked about is and with our friends and peers in the food industry you know good food means hard work you know to to appreciate the bees and how much they work to produce this this honey and then the beekeepers. And I remember being in South Africa doing a story for you and I I was just bowled over by the different beekeepers I met and the different flavours of honeys that were being produced and how labour intensive it was and then we're in New Zealand together and we're up in on the in the South Island at High Peak beautiful landscape cleanest cleanest purest air and we're shown by beekeeper Tom a manuka bush you know the bush where the manuka honey comes from the tea tree bush this is the plant and do we think about that when we're eating our food you know, having our honey for breakfast or thinking, actually, this is from a plant. And now I'm standing in this remote part of the world, actually looking at where your honey comes from. It's just amazing when you kind of constantly reinforce that kind of connection between you, the food and, and nature in terms of the environment where, where it's come from. When we were in the, the South Islands, I remember when, when we saw the manuka bushes, but also another part of that, that area where there were the honeydew trees and, oh, and yes. the whole area the whole area was almost perfumed there was this a perfumery from these these trees where there were there were saps these little saps that was just dripping down the trees and the bees would would uh, basically forage that would make honeydew out of that and then you, you you know you move on from the like like you said the manuka and you, it was just it, it's just a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing that you can see with your own eyes and and you're so mindful of it so you know when i have honey now i am very mindful of where it's come from and how it's processed or not and you know the work that goes into it because you realize that there's a lot of work that that goes that goes into it by everybody you know by the bees by the beekeepers getting it organized logistically preparing it for the customers it's a, it's a whole chain of events that, that, that take place. And it all starts with the reality of, of nature, uh, being in these open spaces with, you know, these amazing varieties of wildflowers and, and trees it keeps bringing you back, you know, to, to, to that environment. I remember walking up to one of those trees and this, this honeydew just dripping from the, this beautiful tree and just putting my finger to it and just taking the honeydew fresh off the tree and tasting it. I mean, just amazing, amazing landscapes, amazing connections there, Riyadh. Tell me a little bit about your white honey. It's so beautiful to look at. What it was like for you standing in that landscape where your white honey comes from? Kyrgyzstan. Again, you know, when you, when you go to these um, environments, when you're in the mountains, it was so high up. We went to um, Bishkek and uh, we, we went for a few hours driving up these mountains and I, I remember starting to get headaches I only ever had blood pressure issues then because I was going so high up altitude altitude and I, it didn't kind of kick in until I was actually my head was about to burst and my eyes were popping out and I'm thinking bloody hell I think I've got altitude issues here but just because of where we went and then you see these amazing rivers flowing with this again backdrop of, of 
rolling hills. And the further we went up, the, this again, the, there's a, a distinct smell of, of this uh, nectar um, of flowers, of different flowers and different kind of trees. And, and then arriving there and going to, to meet the beekeepers and seeing the honey, that particular uh, variety is a monofloral honey. So it comes from one variety of nectar, one source of plant. As soon as it's harvested, it's like a golden color. Within 24 hours after harvesting, it just gradually just turns into this white, really deep white honey. And it's just beautiful. And it's such a fragrant, um, aromatic honey. It's got the whiteness, which is unique in itself, but it's also got this intensely floral uh, taste. It's almost like, you know, someone's just taken a bouquet of flowers and shoved it in your gob the minute you've tasted that honey and pulled it out. And you think, wow, how many kind of flowers are in it? But it's not, it's, it's one variety, but it's just that sense of, of, of intense floral notes in this journey of honey tasting wherever we've been. Each variety is so different and so unique and according to the, to the environment. So you've got some amazing varieties of flavor profiles and that's the distinct thing with, with honey. You know, it's those amazing flavor profiles that you navigate your, your tongue to, to pull out those flavors, whether it's, you know, a little bit of toffee, whether it's caramel, whether it's, there's some licorice in there, whether it's, so, and it's understanding those different profiles and those different varieties that you can label it, you know, when, when you're, trying to give customers the idea of an essence of the spirit of what it's about and where it's from. What would you advise people maybe thinking, well, I buy my honey and I like it because it's sweet, but it, it's actually more than that, isn't it? That It's incredibly healthy. It's full of minerals, vitamins. There's balance in, in raw honey, but understanding what the difference is. So what is raw honey and what are people looking for when they're going to buy honey? What should they be looking for to know that they get the best product? I think the most important thing is you buy honey that is raw. And sometimes you'll get that in supermarkets where, supermarkets where they'll say it's, it's raw honey. You'll get a sign on it that, that makes it very clear, letting you know that there's hardly been any adulteration to, to, the, to the process of, of filtering that honey. Commercial honey um, is super filtered and uh, it's almost pasteurized. And when something is super filtered and, and uh, pasteurized because of the heat, the high levels intensity of, of heat, it destroys that structure, the components that retain that food product of, of all the minerals and enzymes and, uh, and essential vitamins. It's completely broken down. So you want something, you want the food to be intact. Raw honey uh, allows it to, to be intact. And so you're going to get all those natural enzymes, those, the potency, the bio compounds, that, that basically works in sync with your body to give you that optimum health, injection of health. So super pasteurized and, and, uh, and super filtered, it's being robbed um, of everything, of all the goodness, and it just becomes almost uh, bankrupt, uh, like a syrup. That's, that's the, the, the difference. There are honeys out there that have more medicinal qualities than others. So depending what you're looking for in your honey, what you want it, you know, what sort of flavor you want and what you're using it for. And I think you really brought that to my attention. I mean, we've heard of Manuka, yes, but there's whole other areas. And in fact, if you want to read Riyadh's blog, there's, there's lots of information about understanding honey. It's on the Balkis website or check in Honey Explorer. 
I'll give the details at the end of the podcast. If you're interested in honey, it's really worth reading the blog. And one of the things I learned was about your beautiful Siddha Yemeni honey. So tell us a little bit about this, where it comes from, the tree, it's a very special tree that represents a lot in your culture. It gives this amazing gift, nature's gift again. Yeah, I mean, Siddha trees, the majority of them in Yemen are in uh, an area in the south of Yemen called Hadramut. There was an ancient civilization there, but it was, this place is littered with beautiful Siddha trees. Um, in the area of Valley of Dawan, where um, uh, we get our honey from, it's not far from the Arabian Sea, and it's in mountainous areas. And, and this Sidra tree, or the Lot tree, these trees have existed for thousands of years. Of It's a very medicinal, therapeutic tree. And the Sidr uh, nectar is a very potent, potent nectar. Even uh, sometimes the bees can't even handle taking it back to the hive because it's so strong. Some of them actually die in between the journey. It's a very potent nectar. Um, a lot of medicinal uh, benefits out of it. It's very prized uh, in the Middle East, Yemeni, Yemeni honey. It does have uh, this beautiful flavor profile, which keeps kind of bouncing between toffee and, and caramel. And it, it's got this kind of viscous, it's a viscous honey, so it's quite thick. It's not so easily runny, but it's not crystallized and it's not cream. So it's just, it's a beautiful viscous uh, honey. There's a lot of uh, health benefits, general health benefits that, uh, that a lot of people use it for. And even if, honestly, if there were zero health benefits and you just tried this particular variety of raw honey, it's just amazing to, to have it on your toast, to be able to cook with it to be able to do all kinds of stuff with it food-wise because it's just so delicious. I need to see you. You need to, I need to get another jar off you. That's, I've run out. But I <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get you some, don't worry. <laughs> you were born and you grew up in Sheffield with your family, yep. but of Yemeni stock, that's your roots. And then, of course, living in Dubai and running a business in Dubai for many years, you are this sort of global nomad with these firm roots in the culture, Yemen and... Sheffield in Yorkshire in, in the United Kingdom. Yeah, you know, you know because as, as you mentioned, I'm Yemeni of, of Yemeni stock. Our ancestors are Yemeni. My parents uh, are both a full Yemeni. We were born and raised um, in the UK. It, it's a really kind of interesting thing that, you know, when I went back to the Middle East, we, we were in, in, I was in the Emirates for nearly 16 years. And I'm still, to be honest with you, I'm back and forth. And you know, there's still the, the connection because of the business and everything else. You don't know where home is. <laughs> you weren't ra- born and raised in your own country of, of ancestral birth. Yet you live in, a, in an amazing place, which I love. I love Sheffield and worked in, in the Middle East, but I also worked in different parts of the world before going to the Middle East. I do honestly feel like a, a nomad. Um, I do feel like a sort of modern day Bedouin. For me, it's, it's a good thing because I'm, I'm, even though I'm kind of deeply connected to a lot of places, I'm not completely and utterly rooted to, to, to anything. But I see that as an advantage because I love learning and understanding from different cultures. I love the fact that in England, there's a, there's a lot of um, opportunities here. There's a lot of opportunities in, in the Emirates. Yemen is a beautiful uh, place. It's not so kind of amazing right now because of the war that's, that's happening over there, unfortunately. But once things have settled down, it will go back to, to being a, an amazing place the way it was before. 
but it's got so much history and culture and civilization that you kind of, when you're there, you, you sink into that, that, that kind of life. And, and you sink into all the different lives that, you know, when, when you travel and you're into these different cultures, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love the fact that I've, uh, you know, we've got these different layers of, of, uh, of cultures and understanding, even linguistically, you know, when I'm in the Middle East, because I can speak Arabic, you feel connected. The fact when I'm here, I feel connected. I think language plays a role in, in that. It kind of facilitates the, the connection as well. It's just mm. a, shame I, a shame I can't speak any, any other languages. <laughs> so I can feel more connected. Just listening to you then, I think of standing in the desert of the United Arab Emirates. I think of the Yorkshire Dales and Derbyshire and standing in that beautiful landscape. I think of us in that helicopter flying above the South Island of uh, New Zealand and landing on that glacier. And we, we were in awe, absolute awe of that landscape, that precious landscape. We got out the helicopter and stood on that glacier. It, it takes a lot for us to be speechless. Bob gobsmacked. <laughs> I mean, gobsmacked. I, I've, and that, that's the thing, you know, when you, when you do travel, it just absolutely, you know, broadens the mind and it, it, it changes you. And there are certain spots that really kind of uh, shake you sort of fundamentally, like how amazing, how beautiful, how real is this? And when you see that level of, of, of environment and the landscape and where you are, you know, um, at the time, it was, it, was, it was just absolutely amazing. And it's, it's breathtaking as well. I, I, honestly, New, New Zealand really opened my eyes about how breathtaking um, an environment can can be and and that's the interesting thing and the dimension that you know just going out in the world and looking and being passionate about something that you love searching for honey you know you land in these spots that are just kind of ordinarily you wouldn't think of going and there's so many more spots that you know that we want to explore and and try the the those varieties of of honeys because there are just you know there's millions of, of uh, varieties that you can uh, that you can try that's just waiting there to to be discovered and I think when you talk about seeking out the best in nature and the best in in honey and then as we've done so so often is talk about how food can bring people together different cultures different types of foods you know natural great fresh ingredients and I think again of us sitting in Bali and trying all these amazing ingredients I remember sitting in the rice fields in a, a vegan restaurant eating the most incredible food we were under a canopy with the most terrific torrential tropical storm going on all around us as we were sort of taking in that the elements of the rain and the cleansing of that rain and then eating this amazing fresh produce uh, of ingredients in in dishes with flavors do you remember that a hundred percent and the, <laughs> the weird thing about it that you've got those memories that are kind of ingrained and those same memories are ingrained in my head as well <laughs> <laughs> and it's because that we've been taken completely yanked out of our environments and placed in this super amazing environment and it's so unique and it's and it sings to your soul you know where you are and it is a stillness that you take with you from that place and and so it's etched in your memory and and i get that you know i, I get that a lot in in really amazing unique places where i've been and you take that little those little bits with you wherever you go around the world and just yesterday I, it was i was walking with with uh, with amel my my daughter 
in Wurlow, where I was talking earlier about there's a lot of agricultural farm farms there and there's also it's loaded with little woodlands and, and, and forests and it was raining as well and as we kind of walk in in this path in this woodland area you've got these amazing mature trees that are on both sides and this it's almost formed like a canopy so there's a kind of a, a, a darkness as you're walking through and you're protected from the rain and then you, you get out of the other end and that rain and, and the wind is just kind of, it hits you in your face and you're in this open space and you're breathing this amazing uh, air. It's, it really has a, such a powerful cleansing, spiritual kind of touch, you know, to your heart and your mind and your soul. And it, and it really does kind of, uh, you know, take away stress. You forget everything because you're just entrenched in this kind of amazing natural beauty. Do you do you refer back to that? Do you think back to those moments of calm to help you manage your stress if you're in a, a busy day at work? Yeah, I really, I really do, and I and I make it a point to kind of to walk every day now. It's not easy. Stress is is a very weird thing, and and, and it, you kind of change with it as you're getting older. And I've and I've seen how it's different as time has gone on. I'm I'm fifty now. I'm going to be fifty one in in August, hopefully. And I've seen my relationship with, with my mind develop. <laughs> I know it sounds a bit weird, but, but you know, the, the triggers and the little stresses and that you've got and just the responsibility of, of, um, of work and the, a lot of people that you've got working with you, you know, and, and obviously a family and kids. And there's a lot of uh, reasons to just start to kind of feel um, under pressure. For me, uh, faith has been amazing. Uh, you know, spirituality is, is is, is, is what works for me. And when I go out into these open woodlands and, and in the middle of this amazing greenery and, and rolling hills and, and rivers, this connection that you've got to it, just everything just dissipates. You know, everything just disappears. It just goes, it leaves you. You, re you realize what, what your place is in the universe and, and your life and uh, in this kind of world once you, you connect to, to nature. So it brings you back to reality and it gives you that kind of purpose. You know, life is temporary. You know, we are on a journey and you're going to have bumps and you're going to have kind of weird little rides and it's going to go up and down. And it's just trying to give you that balance that every time you do feel, you know, yanked out of your reality, that you need to be embedded in, in nature to bring you back into, into reality for, for that balance thank you for that Riyadh I mean it's absolutely aligned with what we do with our nature therapy walks and workshops and helping individuals and groups and businesses companies to to manage stress and those bumps in the road by deepening that connection with nature to help you in in those moments if there was a word Riyadh to sum up nature for you what word would that be with all honesty it would have to be um, tranquility I feel so tranquil when I'm in nature, when I'm around, when I'm around forests and trees and, uh, and when I can hear water and the open air and, and breathing and the wind, just kind of, you know, seeing the, the movement of the, the trees because of the wind and little rain, raindrops kind of hitting your face while, it, while it's still a little bit windy and you're gulping this beautiful, amazing sort of fresh, fresh air and you're embedded in this kind of greenery and and rockery uh, and and you know it, all of this kind of thing to me it just makes me tranquil it, it it lays down this 
foundation of, of, of a roadmap of how to capture peace and tranquility. And, uh, and that's what it does. It honestly does that. And this is why it's becoming more addictive now, just to go out in the open countryside, to go out into forest and venture and, and walk. You become, it's almost addictive. You, you, you yearn for it. When you, when, you know, when I've been indoors for more than a few hours, I'm sort of kind of itching now. I'm thinking, God, I just want to get out. And I know since you started this forest bathing way of life, I've, I've learned from you, from the, the things that you've told me that you've experienced and the ideas of, of being more mindful around you, you know, around that environment and, and really allowing it to, to, to influence you but in a way which is just has this ability just to, just to change and the, 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 the calmness, you know, of, of your heart, it, it changes, it, do, it creates that calmness. It, it takes you into a, a place where you've got no choice that you, to be disarmed and, and, to, and, and, and to be kind of tranquil and peaceful and calm. Riyad Hamad, thank you so much for your time today. It's always a pleasure catching up with you, my old friend. Before I let you go, I just have to remind you of one thing. I think you'll have to come back on the Nature Pod. You'll have to come on again because we've still got so much more to share and talk about. But I just wanted to mention this to you. Remember Biddy? Remember Biddy? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do remember Biddy. Oh, God bless her. I do love that woman. She was amazing, uh, Suzanne. I, honestly, sometimes... When I'm on my own, weirdly enough, and every, try, every time I try a piece of cheese anywhere, that woman springs to mind. So Biddy Fraser Davies, she passed away uh, a few months ago, but Riyad and I had the pleasure of meeting her. She had a little small holding on the North Island in the wire wrapper of New Zealand, and she just had five Jersey cows. And she pampered them and loved them so much. And from these cows, she made the most amazing farmhouse cheese. No pesticides, no chemicals. In fact, when we talk about earlier with, with honey, raw honey, it was like her cheese, wasn't it? If she added a certain herb or garlic, for example, to the feed of her Jersey cows, then that would come through in the cheese. So literally, you're picking out this beautiful hard cheese with a hint of garlic or a hint of rosemary or whatever it might be oh and i remember when she was telling us this story and we were like gobsmacked weren't we suzanne <laughs> yes. the, the, the fact that every time that she wanted to flavor the cheese she wouldn't do it you know from the inside of, of processing the cheese itself she would do it through the gut of the cow so it was <laughs> like so it was like wow you're getting the flavors just by feeding the cow you know what what you want you know it's, it, it was just amazing it was just such a a different way of looking at things and yeah. the way that she she named her cows they all had little personalities she named them all she knew them they, they you know they loved her she had this relationship with them and uh it was just it was amazing it was an award award-winning cheese and and the way that she the process of her handling her livestock and and what it meant to her and and, and how she made those cheeses was so unique and so amazing that we were gobsmacked when we left that place. I know, I know. And we spent an afternoon. And that, when you talk about tranquility and peace, and, and I think that thing again of, you know, good, fresh food from nature, there's, there's a work and a process to it. So you can't rush it. You can't interfere with it. 
you have to work with it. And I know I've learned that from your beekeepers. I've learned, I learned that that day with Biddy sitting in her cheese room as she was stirring the whey and making her cheese. And we sat with her, didn't we, that afternoon for about yeah. two or three hours. And it was actually this sort of almost like a meditation. You saw it was like mindfulness in making a natural hard cheese. I mean, she's a phenomenal lady. So I thought it was rather fitting that we add our little tribute to Biddy because she really, really is a special, was a special lady. And uh, I know her legacy goes on in New Zealand. Her cheese was what was served to the royal family, wasn't it, when they visited New Zealand? It was. And, and what I loved about her, Suzanne, I know that you loved it. She had this kind of, she was quite feisty as well, you know, about her, how passionate she was. And, and sometimes she would she'd be tied down by some of the bureaucracy of, uh, of processing the food. But she took so much pride and she was so passionate about what she did. And I think that's what, what made her so en- en- endearing. It was just her, her capacity to, to, to handle everything as long as she did what she did. And she got this amazing, uh, you know, cheese out and working with those beautiful cows mm. and all the help that she got and support that she got from her family. You know, it was a, it was a beautiful, it was just so beautiful. That's the only way I can think of. It was, you know, we, we both left there thinking, God, we love that woman. Yeah. What an amazing, what an amazing time that we've had and, and seeing people that take so much effort and care and passion doing what, doing what they do and, and the benefits you know, you see it because number one, it's a it's a healthy product that that she's uh, that she's got, and and also you know the the appreciation that comes from it as well. Everybody mm. everybody appreciated what she did and the time and effort mm. that she that she undertook to get that amazing product. And it was uh, the proof was in the tasting, I think. And again, that being aware and you know more mindful of how we eat and taste and and and, and really appreciating where it comes from. Riyadh, thank you so much for joining me on the Nature Pod today. Are you heading off out now into those beautiful green rolling hills? I am actually. I'm going to have a cup of tea and I'm going to have one of my Yemeni biscuits that my lovely wife Leila has made. And uh, I'm going to get out there because I am. I'm honestly addicted to these little beautiful walks. Uh, But thanks so much uh, for having me. And it's uh, it's a pleasure, Suzanne. Looking forward to seeing you as well, love. I can't wait to see you. Thank you so much to Riyad Hamid. And you can follow Riyad and his varieties of raw honey at balkies.com. And you can check out his blog there as well with recipes and more information about understanding raw honey. You can also follow him on Instagram at Honey Explorer. You've been listening to The Nature Pod with me, Suzanne Radford. For more on my walks and workshops in nature, go to thenaturepod.com or follow me on social media at Forest Bathing Algarve. I leave you now with an invitation to sit quietly, close your eyes and remember a time or place when you were at peace in nature. Visualise the landscape, the colour and remember how it made you feel. <laughs>